Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckinistas? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is my podcast. I'm broadcasting from a hotel room, looking out over the rooftops of Gijon, Gijon, Spain, España. Yeah, is that how you say it? I'm in Spain, Gijon, G-I-J-O-N, Gijon. Is that right? Gijon. Feels right to me. I just learned that today after saying Giron for a while and Giron or Gijon. 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 That's where I'm at. So if I sound irritable, it's because uh, I, was, I, I was paralyzed by some wild boar meatballs. Paralyzed. Incapacitated by some wild boar meatballs into a nap that was un- unproductive. Though I did take the nap at the time that people here in Spain seem to take naps at around 4 o'clock. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it was a little early. Maybe if I'd waited and followed the national rules of nappage, uh, I would not feel as bad as I do now. I just It's one of those naps where you take it and you're much worse off for the rest of the day for taking the nap. It was a half hour. I didn't seem to have a, cha- a choice I, uh, some, something happened. We, uh, we had a nice lunch. I had some wild boar meatballs, some octopus, and then there was a sea bass and razor clams. Look, man, I had to look it up. It took me a while to research it, but they were razor clams. And I don't know if you've ever had razor clams, but they were probably one of the best things that happened the entire time I've been away was these two razor clams that were sitting among two other ones, four total underneath a piece of, uh, finely pan done uh, sea bass. And we looked at the razor clams and we were like, is that a vegetable or is that an animal? And I tasted it and I'm like, nope, that's a clam and it's one of the best clams I've ever eaten. So that happened and that was pre-nap. Now everything's not looking as good. Louis Katz, the comedian, is on my uh, show today. Louis Katz and I go back. He opened for me many years ago. He's always been around Louis. I mean, he's much younger than me, but he's a comic. He's been at it for a while. He opens for uh, David Tell quite often. He's a headliner in his own right. And always a great joke writer and funny guy. Nice guy. He's got a record out, uh, an album, a comedy album, Cats Kills. Cats Kills. 
Uh, it's available wherever you get your music or comedy albums. He also co-hosts the travel podcast, Roadheads, uh, which where, where, which you can uh, get wherever you listen to podcasts. But he opened for me years ago in San Francisco. Always liked the guy. Always meant to have him on. Never made it happen until now. So here we are, folks. I have to address a couple of things. It's been a lovely vacation to the point where I don't want to come back, but we did shift in the vacation, obviously, since I talked to you last on Monday, where I was having an amazing time in Ireland, feeling connected to the roots and the rocks and the weather and the turbulent gray and the cliffs and the sea, some of the local customs, the people, the fish, everything about it. I did not listen to any Irish music, and I have to say nothing against it, but I I don't know what that would have done for my experience. I have a feeling it would not have put it over the edge in a good way. Not that I don't have anything against Irish music. I like it, but I have a more, my sensibility about Ireland, if it was sort of maybe, uh, you know, some Pogues music, some slower Pogues music where it was depressing and you didn't know if the singer was going to die in the middle of the song, uh, that would have been good. But just the sort of upbeat, uh, jigging kind of like that, that Irish zip uh, I, I, I didn't miss it. I, so no one's asked me, did I go see some, some people said you should go see some. I did not because I don't drink. Cause I think quite honestly, that music probably better after a few beers because you kind of need the lift me. I don't drink much. I'm already a little jacked. It probably would have caused me some anxiety and, uh, maybe a little bit of panic. And I probably would have felt judged. Uh, why are you not drinking? Get on board. I think that's how a lot of alcoholics slip is, is pressure from Irish musicians. That seems sort of specific, but I don't know. I've, I've run into that a couple of times where people, well, the Irish speak the language. But anyways, I'll get around to it. Under, you know, understanding your triggers around relapsing. It's important, alcoholics. It's important. Remember, your, your disease, as they say, is always looking for a way. To take you down from the inside. He's like an assassin. The disease of alcoholism is your inner assassin. Looking for an angle. When you got your guard down. And sometimes that's as easy as an Irishman going, do you want a Guinness? Yes. How easy was that to to provoke that assassin? Doesn't that Guinness look good? It does. Should you like a Guinness? Yes. Done. Over. You move to Ireland... You don't know how to make a living. Soon you're out in front of the pub. The musicians know you. That's the American that was here years ago. It's weird. He looks like one of us now. Not really. He just looks like he's dirty and lives outside. And uh, sure, here's here's a, a euro. Have a euro. Not a gyro. A euro. Not a euro. A euro. One's a sandwich. Greek, I think. The other, money. Okay, so the last time I talked to you, I was in Ireland, and we were in Dublin. I got a little pushback on my romanticization of burning peat bricks, bog bricks, stuff carved out of the earth, put into brick form so you could use it to warm yourself. Apparently not great for the environment. A couple of people, don't get mad at them. I, you know, look, I had a nice time. I'm not bringing any home with me. I don't even have a fireplace. I actually, I do have a fireplace in my new house. It's gas fireplace, fake fire, fake logs, no peat. 
Could burn peat if I wanted to. I don't know where I could get it. Imagine I could get it. Point being, again, not great for the environment because apparently they've mined it to the degree where they've pulled the lid off of the bogs and released the inner demon of CO2 that emits from decomposing organic matter into the atmosphere. And it is one of the, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a primary cause, but it doesn't help things. So we got to keep the peat in place, keep the bogs covered. Uh, with all their demons. Also, on a more mythological level, that does say something about the bogs. There is a sort of a presence in there that when you release it, could end the world. Not unlike oil. It's the revenge of the dinosaurs. You think they went extinct? Nope. Something killed them, and now they're going to kill us because we need them to. That's the paradigm we're involved with. The revenge of the fucking dinosaurs. How do you push back on that? Because there's a corporate spigot that has been pimped out by the ghost of fucking dinosaurs. Anyway, we've really gotten off the beaten track. I've had weird dreams uh, with a couple of messages uh, from the dreams since I've been here. Uh, the, the first message uh, just came to me in a line that had was part of a bigger thing, but the line that was delivered upon waking was that the audience will end before the symphony. There you go. Do what you want with it, but it seems to be true. The audience is definitely ending before the symphony. Now, the problem was we were having a nice time in Ireland, and it was very, very intimate, one-on-one time, no responsibilities, rented house. And then we get here and we wake up to a city where they don't speak our language. That's not their fault. We're the ones at fault. I, there's no one at fault. We just don't speak the language. And now we have responsibilities. We have to be at a premiere of the movie, Sword of Trust, for an audience that doesn't really speak English. That, that sounds like, well, that should be interesting to watch. I guess if you enjoy failure. Okay, now it was no one's fault, but you know, I've seen this movie probably a dozen times with laughing audiences that get all the jokes and now it's subtitled and the rhythms are different here. So what gets laughs are the broadest bits of business and a few of the jokes. It was, it was hard. It was interesting. It was good. They seemed to enjoy it. Um, it was packed too. Both audiences that we played to was packed. We did a Q&A with a translator, which is interesting. I'm finding that I'm not entirely comfortable not knowing what's being said or how to say anything. Does that sound like an uncomfortable situation for everybody? Where I I literally don't know any Spanish, even though I grew up in New Mexico. So I just don't. And I know I, I don't expect people to know English. I understand the standoff, but that's ultimately what happens. These weird, polite, awkward, just standing there with people, looking at them. And, and realizing we can't talk to each other. We probably have a lot to say to each other, but nothing's going to happen here. There's no way. Nothing, nothing's going to happen. Maybe basic niceties, you know, and sort of a scramble to find a word of each other's language and then go, oh, yeah, and that's it. It's difficult, but it's a lovely city, and we walked around it. It's very pretty. And another thing I learned about traveling, either internationally or or not internationally, is that if you're not going to invest in the history of the place, 
you're really left with things like, uh, well, that's pretty. Oh, this this is old. And, uh, oh, this is really old. There's only part of it here. There's just a piece of it. This is, This must be very old. Or, that's cool. I can't believe that that's that old. It's pretty. That's what you're left with if you don't want to learn. Hey, that's pretty. Hey, that's old. Hey, that's very old. Wow, that's cool. That's been there that long. Or, or um, I can't read this. It's not in English. So that part of the trip has been great. A lot of pretty stuff here. Our movie went over very well, as well as it could. It was hard to watch with an audience that you, know, you didn't. I wasn't getting enough laughs, is what I think is what I'm getting at. My character was not getting enough laughs because he's of a certain tone and it's a certain physicality. Some of the broader characters, big laughs. I got a couple of big laughs. But John Bass was definitely getting a majority of the laughs during the European uh, showing, the Spanish showing. I'm glad he did. He wasn't here to ex- experience that, but I'll go ahead and say it publicly. I didn't get as many laughs as I should have, but I'll, I'll let John have it. Bigamy, right? The audience will end before the symphony. Make sure you write that down. Louis Katz, as I mentioned earlier, is a good guy and a funny guy, great joke writer. Open for me many years ago. Not many. I'm not saying he's like, it's not like the, you know, back in the day kind of shit. But when he was a younger comic, now he's been at it for a while. Uh, does a lot of headlining on his own. Uh, his most recent comedy album, Cats Kills, is available wherever you get music or comedy records. He's got a podcast called uh, Roadheads. If you want to listen to that, it's a travel podcast. And this is me talking to Louis Cat. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of great or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts i don't know i just got this i got an iphone 10 because i have no patience and i got it at the last like literally a week before the 11s came out (laughs) 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 and uh and i don't like it yeah i'm i'm considering going back to android personally really yeah man i just can't i just can't deal with it sometimes i just don't i don't like the way they're trying to pretend like it's not a hard drive i know it's a hard drive just let me drag and drop shit i don't i shouldn't have to go through itunes to drive drag everything onto everything they want me to pay for the cloud and be cloud dependent and i'm like fuck that i don't want to be so you're against cloud dependency yeah and again 
like can... sort of your cause. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I'm like angry about and love to complain about. This is probably the lowest one, but yeah. if you just want to talk phones, that's that's my opinion that's, on it. So, I, well, I I am a little nervous about the cloud personally. I'm not sure why I'm nervous about it, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden it became this thing where I remember a few years ago where it just became, you know, you want to put all your shit on the cloud. I'm like. I don't even look at all my shit on my computer. Like it's so rare that I need anything mm-hmm. from the past in yes. a way. It's weird because like I you carry around this shit. If you keep just switching over hard drives, mm-hmm. you've got shit on your computer from like twenty years ago. Yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't even know what's in there. And every once in a while I'm like, I'm gonna go through it and then you start to you go into the file and you're like, oh fuck. I'm not going through this. And then you feel weird throwing it away. You get nostalgic over garbage. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I mean, if, as far as like hoarding stuff, at least you're hoarding like small hard drives and computers instead of like files yeah. and cabinets of shit, you know? I guess so. Yeah, it's true. But like, you know, why can't I apply that same idea to, you know, things in your house where it's sort of like if you haven't looked at it for a year, do you really need it? Photos are always well, good. Not, not you photos, know. you know, like just whatever, you, you know, like things that you keep, keepsakes, things that you like books, things you think are important. I, don't, I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I don't I don't think that 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 not looked at it for a year rule works for a lot. I think with clothes, that's good. Yeah, because if you're not really wearing the clothes, then that's like true. get rid of it. Do you need but, some clothes? How big are you? I'm, <laughs> if you got some in, I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. So now I'm trying to think when we met, didn't did you feature for me? Yeah, I must have opened for you back- In San Francisco? Yeah, in the Bay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in San Francisco at the Punchline. Yeah. Yeah, a long- I mean, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember when, but I know I opened for you there for sure. It's over 10 years ago, I would think. Way over 10 years ago. Right? It's more like 15 to- Yeah, 15, at least 15 years ago, if not more. No kidding. Yeah. So that's- You've been around that- How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it 18 years, man. Wow. Yeah. Now, like the- Now, did you start in the Bay? I did start comedy. So that, okay, so you were there. Like, I wasn't living there mm-hmm. by the time I came back and I had been there, and you were part of the new crew of Bay Area people. Yeah, there's a whole, like, new school of like comics. Like Moshe. Yeah. You. Uh-huh. Like, uh, who else? Uh, Guy Branham, Jasper Red, Ryan Stout, Chris Tinkle, the Searoffs, um, Shane Gwen. Searoffs, what the fuck happened to that guy? <laughs> Do you talk to him? I don't talk to him too much. Moshe's in touch with him. Yeah? He's around. He's just around? Yeah, man. They're not married anymore, are they? No, that ended. That ended bad. Because <laughs> he middled for me somewhere back in the day, like in 2006 or seven. He, I think he featured for me at like Roosters. Yeah. It was a time where I was going through this fucking divorce or I was going through this breakup with the, the wife had left me and I was keeping this diary that was very sort of candid. Uh-huh. I think I hung out at their hotel room or something. If somehow or another, I left my diary. Oh no! With those two monsters, <laughs> <laughs> and like, like I, you know, like you know, Jacob is all right. They're all right, but they're comedians. Like, and, and you know, I'm the headliner. I leave this fucking book of writing. They're oh. not going to look at it. It was fucking. That make me so nervous, dude. This shit you were. They, I, said, they said that they they didn't go through it, but how could you not? It was so fucking like it was so candid about Viagra, about fucking, about <laughs> my feelings for my ex wife. Like it was crazy. Well, the shit you were saying on stage publicly was already hardcore. So to think there was stuff you were filtering out. I mean, who knows what kind of shit was in there? Yeah, it was just, I have those books, man. I mean, that those are like, I haven't looked at those in a while. 
That would probably be interesting, I guess. That's right. When I saw you ask, you said you were, you were listening to Final Engagement, which is like this weird, it's an id record. It's one of these records where I'm like, I know I did it, but I haven't listened to it in a while. Dude, it's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a classic breakup album. Like there's all those music albums that are breakup albums, yeah. and I just went through a breakup and I was listening to it, and man, it was hitting so hard. <laughs> and, and the truth is, though, because that's only half of your breakup stuff because you had the whole hour that was scorching the earth right that was separate from the, it was like kind of the same stuff but not all of it yeah there was a lot of the same stuff in there but it, it like i just called it scorching the earth but it never really came together as a as a show that i could repeat you know like some of that stuff on there like it's so raw and angry and weird that like i don't know if i could make it an entertaining hour and a half for anybody now no <laughs> not now but then it was awesome i mean like that year of you touring yeah. after that, because I, I was, this is also when I moved to New York. So I'm seeing you, you're doing these shows, a lot of head in the hand on the stool, a yeah. lot of, and, and the crowd, there were not crowds there. And mm. it was like really dark. In the basement of that theater, you saw me? I saw, like you, at Car- I saw you at Caroline's with like 13 people. Uh, that's room seats, like 400. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw you at the punchline. It, like, it, wasn't, it was better than that because it's the bay, but yeah. it was still like, and it was so dark that it wasn't. And then I saw you take all that, make a show of it, sell out the UCB. And I told my friend, I'm like, you got to sh- go because like- there's no one else who um, is a motive like you on stage. Yeah. Like there's, I th- honestly, and this is going to sound like I'm kissing your ass, but straight up, I think it's like Pryor and you are the only people that are that open. Yeah. And it's like it's and it's uncomfortable and great. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and like, yeah. and so I show him. I told my friend like, there's no, you got to see this. And he saw it, and he was like, I hyped it up, and it lived up to the hype, man. It was okay. awesome. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh man, now I've now I feel bad because I've like I feel like I've uh, reeled it in a little. Oh, to... so you're healthier now and happy? Sorry. Yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just fucking emailed me that. Some like a woman emailed me about the podcast. She's like, I don't listen anymore because you seem to be condescending. I'm like, oh, is that what that is? Yeah, maybe I just feel better. Maybe I'm not talking from a pit of sadness and unintentional vulnerability. I just and... like that you're condescending towards her comment of her being, <laughs> being condescending. <laughs> well, yeah, fuck her. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to say, I don't know what it is with these people that loop you into their passive aggression, like tweets or whatever. Mm. Like, I used to like Mark Marin. It's like, you don't have to at me on that. You, no. Like, you, you know what I mean? Just It's shitty. It's just, what does that mean? So you grew up in here in, the, in Los Angeles? Yeah. In the valley? No, I didn't live in the valley. I grew up in... I was in Silver Lake from when I was born till I was five. Your Hank family Park. lived in Silver Lake. Yeah, when I was in like the early eighties. It's yeah. so funny. I, I like you know, as somebody who hasn't lived here my whole life, you just I, identify Silver Lake as like it's just a bunch of uh, you know uh, hipper, younger uh, parent people. Yeah, I don't think of like old timers. Yeah, they, living there, bringing up families. Even now, they they live in Los Feliz now, and they go out to places, and they're just like the oldest people there because you know they were always here, huh? Yeah, they were always they were. I mean, my dad is. My, my parents are both from Southern California. My mom grew up in Claremont. My dad grew up in Fairfax. And so he always loved Griffith Park. And he's wanted to live by Griffith Park. He thought it was, he loves the park. You yeah. know, that's how he looked at it. Is he a show business guy? No. That's the, that's a cool thing about um, growing up here is I, I knew some people like a little bit in show business, yeah. but my parents are both in, not in show business. 
And that's always what I recommend to people when they move to L.A. Everyone moves to L.A. and they, they, they go like, oh, man, everyone here is so superficial. I mean, everyone that you meet that's also trying to make it in the entertainment business yeah. is superficial. Yeah. yeah, of course. Right. But you meet local people that are actually right. from here and we're real cool, you know? Sure. No, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I, I think that there, it's a stereotype almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big, weird, fucking sprawling shit show of a city. Yes. And to generalize it in any way just because you're in the entertainment industry yeah. and desperate and looking for a little traction yeah yeah it doesn't mean that you can just judge everyone who lives here yeah and yeah exactly. what'd your what'd your old man do in the- uh my dad is like um uh like a real estate lawyer so he would do like um some low-income housing and then some yeah. like uh shopping centers and my mom worked for a uh local government always like she worked so just for- regular working people in yeah. the la area yeah yeah and you have siblings i have a sister yeah the younger sister a younger sister yeah like, what does she do? She in show business? She's uh no, she's uh she's what I call uh uh Jewish welfare, uh, uh-huh. managing a building that my parents own. That's <laughs> <laughs> how does she take that title? I don't know if I've said that to her, but now now she'll hear it. I guess <laughs> maybe. <laughs> how old are you though? I just turned forty. We have the same birthday. I just turned oh, forty. Oh, you're September twenty seventh. So you're a Libra too. Like I feel there's a kindred spirit thing. So do you find that that you know like does that do you are you a Libra acting person? Uh, I don't know what that means. I Me know, neither. I, I assume like I'm indecisive, so yeah. I'm going. I can I can see and I can see two sides of things. Do you looking? Are you always looking for balance? Do you always feel imbalanced. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, don't isn't that just life? Like you feel a lack. And I don't know, feels man. It? Some people. No, it's not for everybody. <laughs> really? Some no. people are just satisfied. Yeah. Well, some people are okay. They've got things in perspective. Got God on their side. They're not afraid to die, and they just look at life each day as a gift. Not you? I mean, uh, (laughs) I'm going to say no to that. Were you brought up like a L.A. Jew? Um, Reformed Jew. You know, I was bar mitzvahed. I would go. I went to Sunday school. I went to even confirmation class after that. But was there guitar playing during the services in your temple? Yes. If if that's where you draw the line, then yes, there certainly was. It sure is where I draw the line between reform and conservative. Yeah, yeah. There was guitar playing. And then from conservative to orthodox, you draw the line. Like, do you wear a kippah all day? Yes. And then from orthodox to ultra orthodox, you you like you wear the costume and don't talk to other people outside of your peer group. And the sideburns, yeah, man, I, dude, I've been living in in Brooklyn, and I, you know, like living that close to so many Hasidim kind of makes you a little bit anti-Semitic, and I feel bad about it, but it does. Hey, I I used to cover this shit all the time. They're 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 dirty, rude people. <laughs> 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 it's like also they f- it feels like they have like well we have our own set of laws so fuck every other law of man and and yeah and common courtesy Dude, you they, know I I talked to a guy in this show loser Tversky mm-hmm. who's a, who got out it's like it's deep man it's like deep cult it's yeah. like yeah and they they keep all of their all the people all their kids as stupid as possible don't put them <laughs> into public schools put them into yeshiva schools well, don't with, vaccinate they, them. Now. Well, there's that now, yeah, yeah. too. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Chasidim for the measles. <laughs> Appreciate it. We've gotten rid of them. Great idea. Once you spread the gene pool out a little bit, do the diaspora thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. And it's it's weird because it's like you think of a cult as being kind of like on a farm in the middle of nowhere, but they've established this urban cult. Yeah. Which you have to give them respect for that. Sure. That's, they, it, uh, it's eighteen hundred. It's eighteen uh, hundreds <laughs> Poland. Right in the middle of Brooklyn. Yeah, there it is. Minivans and like caged in balconies. You ever think about that one uh, company that makes those hats for them? That They got to do all right. I can't believe 
no rapper has appropriated those hats. They're so cool. Those big fur circles. Oh, the fur circles. Man, that looks cool as hell. That's I mean, a very that's the specific one. trip. That thing. Yeah. I mean, a bathrobe and a fur circle, a giant fur hat. That seems yeah. like rapper worthy there's, to me. Like, you yeah, know? those are very specific. But even the brims, like there's like a company that makes the Jewish brim hat. Oh yeah, yeah. They're yeah. a little different than regular hats. Yeah, yeah. All of it. The black suits. The tallest. I'm fascinated with it. Now I feel bad for saying what I did because I used to get emails from them. Mostly this guy, Loser, who ended up pulling out of the cult. Oh. I don't know how he's doing. He's an actor. It was, that's a pretty interesting conversation. So you, didn't, you weren't brought up that Jewy. No, well, it's kind of like my both my parents were reformed. Yeah. My mom's side was uh, grew up like kind of like Zion, labor, Zionist before sure, that was a sure. bad word. You sure. know, so people can uh, remember culturally that Jewish, but uh, totally pro-Israel. Not totally. She's still like very like... She's like she won't accept Israel's bullshit. She's like knows she recognizes when Israel is like oh, being, mistaken uh, and yeah, is pushing yeah. for right. for Israel to be more liberal and for a peace process. But she did she do the kibbutz thing? Was she in she Israel was, for a while? She was born in Israel. Yeah, my mom oh, was born oh, in Israel. Oh yeah, the Israeli Jew versus the American middle class reformer conservative Jew is a very different animal. Yeah, actually, what I would say is <laughs> my dad's kind of. Um, working class Brooklyn yeah. by way of Fairfax or yeah. Fairfax by way of Brooklyn Jew and she's more like Claremont Zionist but a little more like firmly middle class Jew and that, so they're yeah. different breeds of Jew right there sure well it's a full spectrum yeah yeah <laughs> full I guess that's spectrum it. of Jew <laughs> so what you what were you studying in college that you know what was were you English major no I wish I was I was uh, I did development studies which is like third world political economy which so I so wh- were you looking to Save the world back then? To me, it was, I went to public schools and uh, and I loved my public school education, but I've, I wasn't, because it was LA, it wasn't, if, I think if I went to public school in the Bay Area, yeah. I would have already learned all this like kind of like other side, what's going on in these developing countries' yeah. history. Yeah. But because I hadn't, I went to college and it was kind of like blowing my mind. Like, wow, this is most of the world. Right. And it's so different from here yeah. and it's so different from Western Europe, which we mostly studied. And so to me- most of my parents, they had BAs and things that they didn't end up doing for yeah, a living. So I was right. like, whatever interests me, I'm going to study, and that's what I studied. Now, in retrospect, I wish I'd done some kind of writing thing or English or something like that. Well, what 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 were the specific, what were you studying in that? Were you just learning about what? You know, the different like client systems of the Cold War, where like uh-huh. you know the United States would have their countries that they support, and the USSR would have this countries they support right and how it wouldn't really matter about the politics they would just kind of build them all up how like raw goods are not going to be make as much money as manufactured goods and that kind of keeps these countries down because they're depending on this like low like earlier stage in the economic so you were basically learning about how the capitalist system fucks the world yes that'd be another way to put it and and how the existing empires have uh, contracted but still fucked the world through the capitalist system. Yes. Yeah, that was it. And then and then and then right the two months after I graduate 9/11 happened and the whole system was like turned on its head and it was all kind of crazy. So. Yeah, it's crazy now. Now yeah. that you know we've got a president that just wants to uh, you know make it uh, you know a bunch of tough guys with his, uh, with their chunk of territory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean I guess that's it's I was going to say I think he'd be willing to give up Europe. Yes. Easy. Then, I Why think not? Trump would be like, let Russia have it. <laughs> yeah, we're totally, good. Totally. Then it'll just be Russia, Europe, China, and us. <laughs> and I'll know who to talk to on the phone. I I think he doesn't even he doesn't even understand things in that complex of a level. I, 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 think, I, I think, think that's true. You know, 
So you're doing that in college, and you're disillusioned, or you're doing comedy in college? When did you start that shit? Um, well, I, I joined a sketch comedy troupe while I was there at Berkeley. I joined an Asian sketch comedy troupe called Theater Rice, because it was the only one available to me. So is this you and a bunch of Asians? Yeah, me and a bunch of Asians. Huh. And I just I knew a guy. He said to join it. He said he was starting it. I'm like, can I join? I joined. You played the white guy? Uh, well, I wrote a whole sketch that was... Um, it was kind of like a live action kung fu thing. So yeah. I would voice the guy doing like, and he would like mouth the words on stage. It was yeah. like a dub over, but live. Sure, that's a classic comedy bit, kind of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, and I wrote this big sketch for that. It was like super long, had tons of jokes, really dirty. Cause yeah. That, that's what I ended up doing. That's what I like. And uh, man, it went over huge. And I remember lying in bed that night and like thinking like, uh, this I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And also though, it made a, there was another sketch in the sketch groups that was very dealing with a lot of stereotypes. Yeah. And some guy thought I wrote that one yeah. and thought I was being racist and that I was racist. Yeah. And then there was an article in the Asian weekly paper called the uh, fuck Louis cats. Yeah. By, really? a, by a guy who's now like a pretty established journalist, <laughs> honestly. And you hadn't written the sketch. I had not written the sketch. The guy didn't even stick around to see. He The guy was so offended by the sketch that these other people who were Asian wrote. What was the nature of it? It was like, it was just simply like finding ways to say all these words that are stereotypes. Like, yeah. I'm a, there are construction workers. Like, oh, I'm going to pour all this gook into this chink. Oh, you know right, what I mean? Right, and right. like, yeah, well, I guess oh, I'm right. not writing on SNL anymore after that. <laughs> um, but I'm just quoting somebody, so please don't take that out of context. He still wants the job, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, and so it was, it was, it was using all these like words that I didn't use and wouldn't use. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, the guy got really mad. The guy wrote that article. It was like controversial within the group. And it was it was very stressful, like being like, I was just like, hey, I'm just wanted like it was also like an eye opening thing to think of like the weight of they were saying like, you know, it was also even his even though if that wasn't the right sketch, his sketch was very vulgar. Is that what we want to represent in our group? Right, right. Well, I mean, it's weird, like because you make that that joke about just now we just made that joke about that guy who didn't uh, get he got fired from SNL. I mm -hmm. mean, but that was not there was no context to that. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, it's like, you know, this idea that it was a joke is not correct. No. You yeah. Know, from, I mean, from like, you know, I can identify jokes. It was a, somehow a, an environment had been created where the casual use of those words was part of the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was not a popular environment. And, you know, once it be got show, the light of day was shown upon it, people were like, well, what is that environment? I get, I mean, I to me, it's like, it was because I, so I ended up eventually moving to New York. And yeah. what's a weird thing is that like, Racism is like a part of East Coast comedy tradition and just like joking around between friends and com straight, straight up stand up comedy in a way that it just isn't or wasn't on the West Coast and isn't the way I grew up. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, I can see that. I mean, like, because I lived there long enough to know, yeah, it's part of the East Coast comedy tradition if everyone's represented in the conversation. I mean, if it's just a couple of white guys sitting around saying the n-word that's not quite the way it is but if i'm sitting at the table with patrice and keith sure. and jim mm -hmm. and whatever and there's an understanding there yeah sure sure you know that everyone's taking a hit at each other yeah it's different i mean that's totally a contextual different. thing yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah totally i mean it's just it's just this it's like almost like when people first meet each other on the east coast there's like it's almost like race plays how you make friends like yeah oh you're a jew you're so cheap and it's like and and coming from the West Coast, I'm like, what? Like what? Like no one's ever said that to me in my life before I moved to the East well, Coast. Okay, so you well, we can get there. So when you, because I know that like uh, you you spend a lot of time with Atel, yeah, uh, who who I love and who I came up with, and uh, it seems that you gravitate towards some of the uh, filthier joke writers and tellers. Yeah, I like you know I like. 
I like smart and dirty. That's what I like. So I like that combination. Jim and Dave and uh, you. I, did you open for Stanhope too? I like my guys are like like I'd say like you, Stanhope, Attell, Maria Bamford. Yeah, and then uh, you know Chris Rock. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, sure. It's a good. That's a good uh, good representation. I, I guess I like someone like kind of making me like think of things or see things in a way that I hadn't or expressing something that's really hard to express. I really like that in stand-up. Well, it's funny with Attell. It's like he can, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I can see that applying to Maria and to Doug in terms of really taking ideas. Mm-hmm. But, but Dave is like every joke, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. How, where did that, how did that work? Yeah. Because he, he's working them like it's a never-ending math equation. It's pretty crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like every time you watch him, just the marvel. <laughs> Of his goddamn turn of phrase. Yeah, it's 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 nuts, and he's doing it's the amount of jokes, the consistency of how funny it is, the pictures that he paints, and he's doing it all in like no sleep and no food, which is like I know after working with him, it's like mind blowing. Someone should study his brain after he dies. Well, he well he I think he sort of com- like it's a way he sort of stays engaged in the world is this compulsive process of writing jokes. You know, whether it's in his head or whether he's tooling around with like it seems almost like a. It's almost like Sudoku with yeah. him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's just the way he's constantly going and staying sane. I mean, he's, he's almost ruined anyone else riffing for me because it's not as good as him when I see... Like, he come, he riffs full jokes that other people would love to have written. Do you oh, know yeah. what I mean? No, like, right, right. And yeah, just yeah. off the top of his head, yeah, it's great, crazy. Great you know? referencing. So when you start out here, who are you, like, who are you, outside of getting a good response, comedic, you know, like a reaction to the sketch group, are you watching comedy? Are you going to see it? Well, that, or is it part of your life? What was kind of cool was that I was, I think this helped me, was that I didn't watch that much stand-up until yeah. I started doing it. So I didn't have this... You know, I didn't have like that first five years. You weren't a fan. uh, um, Yeah, I wasn't doing someone else. Well, I was a little bit. So I like Chris Rock coming up because I grew up in the mid 90s and he was like the guy. Yeah. And and of course, Eddie Murphy growing up. And then on TV, we would watch, when we were in college, we would get high. There'd be an hour of The Simpsons. And then we'd switch from The Simpsons rerun channel to BET and watch Comic View, which would be on all night. And that was really the only stand up I was watching. And I think, I think. I'd maybe I think the first time I did stand up was every time I ever saw it live. The first time I did it, like at a at a show, and then afterwards they had an open mic. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, and that so that was the first time you saw live stand up was yeah. waiting to go on. Yeah, <laughs> and and so and I, I really I really love sketch actually. I thought SNL was so cool growing up. Like yeah. this this thing that was on. It was like later than I was supposed to be staying up, and they yeah. like it was like you know back then now commercials themselves do commercial parodies you know what I mean but back then it was like oh they're making fun of all the regular it's like this weird bizarro world of media and I thought it was so cool so that that was really that and like comedic movies was what I really loved was movies and sketch Yeah. so you kind of thought about being a writer from the get go well so I wrote that sketch thing and then after I was in the sketch group I caught all the heat. The next semester, I was going to make a comedy porno, which I'm glad I didn't. I didn't make it. <laughs> what was the What was the concept? I don't think I had one. Oh, but you were going to be in it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I interviewed girls. It was like it was. I'm so glad I didn't do that. And then, luckily, I was. I didn't. That didn't go through. I spent the next year um, studying abroad in Brazil. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was living in Rio and just kind of like writing things and trying to think about like, should I write movies? What should I do? And, and Wait, you were living in Rio. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro. You studied abroad in Rio? Yeah. Why there? <laughs> um, was it part of what you were studying? It was. I wanted to... I went... I spent the summer of my... Isn't junior- that like where people go for like uh, just to, to you know, um, 
do complete hooker vacations? Yeah, some people do. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I I could have. I, should, I, <laughs> I didn't. Just, <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I have a vague memory of the certain few comics that were like, "We're going to Rio." Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's going to be hookers night and day. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh man, now that sounds kind of fun. But that's not what I went there <laughs> yeah, for. I right. went there to study. I was basically I, I went I spent went on this program for like Jewish kids going. I didn't know I could go for free on this trip later on. I went to this summer between my junior and senior year of high school to Israel, eight yeah. weeks in Israel. Sure. And I hadn't really traveled uh, uh, to internationally that much. How did that affect you, dude? It blew my mind. Not even not even just like religiously, but I just love the history. I loved walking on oh, streets yeah, me too, that too. like that where like. I like the Christian parts. I like, oh, this is that's the place, the street where Jesus walked. I'm yeah, walking on seven, that street. The seven stations of the cross. Yeah. And then you go into that place where there's that slab where they laid him out. Yeah. And and people are rubbing their things on there. Yeah. Like pieces, you know, their crosses and yeah. their Bibles. And then the Dome of the Rock. Yeah. You, I love that. I didn't get, I to, I didn't get to go to that. You it didn't too, go up top? It was too hot when I, when I, when like, uh, not too hot, like politically for me to go to the, for them to take all these high school kids to the uh, Muslim side of Jerusalem. Really? Yeah. Oh, but so, but you didn't get a, see, like I found, like I enjoyed Israel and I thought it was fascinating, but it was too scary for me to think like, I'm going to live here and I still don't know what's going on here. It didn't make me feel more or less Jewish, but I didn't feel like this is my home. I'll tell you, I felt, it felt nice just like knowing that everyone there was Jewish or understood what being Jewish was. But I'll tell you what, I get the same thing in New York yeah. and it's a nicer place to live. Yeah. I, so. I, I, have a, I think part of the whole white nationalist uh, Christian uh, agenda is to not to kill all of us, but to push us all to Israel. I think a lot of the mm. Jews in the world have to be in Israel for the second coming to happen. It's oh, in the book. Fuck. So I think like part of the agenda is like, let's just scare them out of here. To Israel. Well, that's funny because that's Israel's agenda too, is that we all get scared enough to go and yeah, move there. And yeah. I'm not trying to do that. To me, it's like, I always thought like, I, I, when I grew up knowing that, like, well, if shit goes down, you can always go to Israel. I'm like, if shit's so bad in America that we have to go to Israel, it's not good in Israel. There's, yeah. It's not safe in Israel. There's no point of being yeah, there. Yeah, and it's just, oh my God, I don't even yeah. want to go. So so you didn't get any more Jewy, but you enjoyed it. I enjoyed I enjoyed the, yeah. I enjoyed being in another country and having that other perspective. Just right. like, even, even now, I've been traveling and working the road for all this time, and I still go to places, I'm just like, man, people live here. This is crazy. Yeah. It still blows my mind. Like St. Louis? Like, dude, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying like, like every, on every range of it from like, from like exotic, like, yeah. like foreign countries to like small shitholes in yeah. America. I'm still like, man, this is nuts. What yeah. a different life. And I love having my world spun upside down and like having this new perspective. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to study abroad and Honestly, like I, I wanted to go to I, everyone that I knew either went to like England, Australia, or Israel. They yeah. wanted, they don't want to learn a language, and they want to, or they want to do the Jew thing. Yeah. And I was like, I, I got to go somewhere different. And I narrowed it down to Brazil and India, just because I knew nothing about. I want to go to India so bad. I well, I went to Israel, India after I, uh, after after I graduated from college too. Did you get sick. My friends did, and by the end, I was just eating bread. I would only eat bread. <laughs> I was so scared of getting sick. They got so sick. Oh, it was it was it was it was rough. All right, and, so wait, so we'll get to India. So you go to Rio. So yeah, so I, India. I, I tried to choose between the two. I got high with my friend who's a Brazilian American. He's like, dude, go to Brazil, and I'm like, cool. I'm like, dude, part of it, I I knew nothing about Brazil. I was like, man, it's got a Z in the name. Yeah. Cool. Like that's all I knew. I mean, little did I know it was like perfect for me. It's just like <laughs> it's like beautiful, and it's a land of like big butts and beautiful music. And yeah. it's like it was like it ended up like shaping a lot of the things ways that i am and 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 interests that i have um like what big butts and music 
I mean, I learned so much about. First of all, I learned. I spoke. I learned Portuguese. I I speak fluent Portuguese. You do? Yeah. So yeah. Do you use it ever? No, you know I don't. But you know what I want to do? I want to. Can you speak Spanish? I can understand it, and I can struggle to get through yeah, it. Right. And what I want to do is, I think if I spent a month in a Spanish-speaking country, I could become a fluent Spanish speaker, yeah. and then I want to start doing stand-up in Spanish. So you've got a knack for languages, or at I least didn't. the Latin I language. was in the lowest level when I started that course, uh-huh. and then I became fluent and probably one of the better Portuguese speakers by the end of it, just because... I learned that you can that I thought I was bad at languages and then I realized the way you really learn a language is by speaking is just speaking to locals over and over and over again. And I got a Brazilian girlfriend and she didn't speak any English and that was that man I became a fluent Portuguese speaker. <laughs> and I love How I long learned, were you with her? I too long. That was like a major mistake. I we we were together the year I was there and then we did long distance for like 5 years after that and then we got the fiance visa and she was going to move to America and that's you know what the fiance visa is you have like two now I think 90 day fiance is pretty much that it's like you yeah. have two or three months to get married to get married and we within six weeks she took a trip to visit her friend in Seattle which was actually a trip to Minnesota to fuck this guy she'd been seeing for the last year so we I didn't marry her I guess I dodged a bullet but that yeah. fucked me up pretty bad real yeah, bad because she was fucking that guy behind your back Yes. Yes, that's why. <laughs> is that not clear? I don't understand. Is that is that not not uh... a <laughs> no, just want to make sure I understood the timeline. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but you did learn Portuguese. I did learn Portuguese. And you did I dodge also, a bullet. I also wait. Well, I'll tell you, you this. You probably learned some things sexually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also like I think like being in a long distance relationship right when I started stand up was perfect because I felt like someone loved me. Yeah. I had someone to talk to. I had a girlfriend. Did they and... have Skype then? No, they didn't. We were just t- I'd buy all these phone cards. Yeah. And uh but then I could focus totally on stand up while I was doing stand up. Right. So in the end it made me like really focused and get really good at stand up early on, but I also like without being distracted by getting involved with a, you know, a female comic or another woman while you're doing stand up. Or anybody. I wasn't even trying to date. I mean, I, w- I wasted some prime years of fucking by actually being yeah. committed to this lady, which yeah. was a mistake. But in How the end How was she fucking the guy in Minnesota? He was living there. It was like it's uh, like it's like that rock joke about it. it's like it's the guy you always expect it to be. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it was this friend who was running this NGO who, where she worked at, and it was like I should have like I should have n- known it all. But do you think she was was she gonna follow through with using you to get a visa? Here's the crazy thing. So she applied twice, even just to get a, a regular visa, just yeah. to visit. She couldn't get one. Right. And finally, we decided to do this fiance thing. Yeah. I fly over to get the fiance visa. Yeah. I fly over. Not only do we have the, I f- go to have the interview with her. To Brazil? And uh, Yes. And I go there and I shoot a Portuguese rap video while I'm there. Just, it's just something to do? I had an idea. Okay. I wanted, at the time, there's this stuff, this music called Baile Funk was kind of big underground. Yeah. It's kind of like Miami bass music, like yeah. mixed with old school rap and Portuguese. Yeah. So I wrote some dirty raps. I invented this character that was actually supposed to be in that porno that I was supposed to make in college called the Archduke. Yeah. I wore a gold diaper yeah. and a powdered wig and a leopard skin cape. And I wrote all these, this whole song in Portuguese. So I spent one day with the interview and then one day shooting that video and I flew back. In a gold diaper. Yes, I yeah. shot it in a gold diaper. How'd that go? Did it get, did it get any traction with that? I made that video. I edited it. 
I showed it to my agent. He got me a meeting with Super Deluxe at the time with Turner, and yeah. I got a six-figure deal off making that video. <laughs> so she came and broke my heart, but I made a ton of money and got to make all these other videos, which was really cool. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but that was all at the beginning of you doing stand-up, the deal with Super Deluxe. They were throwing away money at that time, huh? This was... This is 2005 or six, so no one really understands the internet and what videos are. No one understands that you don't have to throw money about at it. It's kind yeah. of like, it's all about it being like low budget and yeah. DIY is yeah. kind of the appeal. Right. So they were throwing crazy money around, man. Yeah. I mean, I believe that's how, I mean, I don't want to tell her business, but I believe that's how like Maria Bring got her up. first house. You know what I mean? I think everyone, like uh, several people came up on it. Right. And then they, it just, the, I think that the downside was it just ended and people couldn't get their rights to their shit back. I did. Oh, you did. I have the rights to all my shit. But you, but you, that's what happened to people, though, right? Every other, well, here's what happened with me was that it ended right in the middle of a deal. Yeah. So it was like they either owe me all this money or I get the rights. I, I said, you owe me some of the money and I get the rights uh, back. This was a second deal? I think it was that. It was like several stages. You know, yeah, you turn yeah, in certain right, things, right, right, and then right. you and then you owe more. I think it was one deal. I think, and they still owed me a ton of money. So they were like, "How about we owe you less money, and you get the rights back?" And I got the rights back. I mean, I haven't done anything with it. I guess I could make a art no, no, movie just, or something. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, but no, but it was just a thing that yeah. people panic about. It's like I don't have the rights to that special anymore. It's like who needs it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I no, I always think about having those rights to things like that. I mean, to like to be able to release stuff or like, especially when like. The videos are one thing, but like, imagine, I mean, st you know how long it takes to develop an hour of stand-up. Yeah, but they're out there anyways. If like, if you're popular or people want to find it, someone's going to rip it off and get, you can get it on YouTube. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you going to do? It's true, man. I don't know. I like, I feel like there's a thing to like a body of work and I like that. Sure, like, but it, like even like, but the thing is, it's like even with like all, all my records, I, you know, I, I, I kind of have the rights to some of them, but, but they're all up on Apple Music forever. So I some mean, people aren't though. I'm going to make, I'm not going to make money uh, not much money off of some of them, but some of them I still do actually. Some, some of my old records. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's hard to find those. Like personally, like I, I strangely enough prefer to listen to the audio of specials. Yeah. I like watching specials, but I like hearing the audio. I can hear yeah. more detail and stuff like that. Well, I just it's like, found like when you're a kid, you listen to comedy records. Well, I did. So. Yeah, but I didn't. I don't know. I don't know why this is how I like it. I think I can pay. I can hear more in the rhythm. I can hear more what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, the timing's so much better. Yeah. It's so great to like you listen to Robert Schimmel on CD. Yeah, like, man. Best. Yeah, I I got to open for him for a few times too, man. Oh, that yeah. was that was great, man. I mean, like I've written, I've opened for all the dirtiest Jews, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Schimmel was awesome, man. Hearing his stories and like hanging About out Jackie with him. Vernon. His Jackie Vernon stories. He opened for Jackie. Vernon. I didn't hear that. I heard. I heard Mike is more of like his move to L.A. stories. Like his his constant almost getting things. Like it's classic comedy stories. Like yeah. he like you know yeah. the story. I don't know if I should tell his stories on this thing. But He's it's, dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he he lived in Arizona. He visits his sister living in L.A. She signs him up without knowing at the improv open mic. He does well there. He loves it. Bud's like, you come here. You have a you have a you have a home oh, to do right. stand up. Yeah, yeah. He goes back. He tells us he has a family. He's that's like, you right. know what? We're, We're moving going. to L.A. They drive to L.A. Before they go to the sister's house, he's like, I want to show you where I'm going to be playing every week. He drives to the improv. It's burnt down. He, drive, he drove into town the day it burnt down. And his career continued to go that way for the rest of his life. The fire in the 70s. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Yeah. So, like, you've got, like, some money. You're doing comedy. You, you got your heart broken, kind of, but you got a gold diaper wig video that's that got you a big opportunity. You're yeah. doing stand up. Yeah. But, like, that's what I always wondered about you the, since you opened for me. It's like, you know, were you 
gunning to be a writer? Or did you want to be? Did you want to do the full stand up thing, or didn't you didn't think about? It? I you wanted didn't separate to. It? I wanted to make movies and do stand up, right. and I've since shifted into writing because it pays me. So when do you go to India? That you're, that's that's right after I graduate from college. That's bef- that's between. Oh, that's before. I did a. I I grad the month before I graduate from college. I do an open mic every week. I go to India for a month. I come back. I do stand up. I haven't stopped doing stand up. Okay. Since got it. Since I so the Brazil connection was always happening through the open mics and through yeah everything. through my first like five or six and, years in comedy. And, uh, India just was like a month before you really got going. Yeah, I was like I think I was six month or six weeks in India right right after college. And everyone you went with, I think the reason I'm focusing on India is like I, everyone you went with got sick. I went with two people. They both got so deathly ill. It was India. Like remember, I was like I like that change of perspective. I don't know what going to India is like now, but like back then, it like. It blew my fucking mind, man. It's so different. It's so, I mean, it's like you go outside and just walking like two blocks, and you walk back to your room, and you're just like, you just like close the door, like what the fuck? That was so intense. Like yeah. it's so intense there, and yeah. it's like, I, it's it's hard to even describe it, yeah. but it was amazing, and I recommend it to everybody, even though my friends got sick. <laughs> so you're doing stand up, and you got the deal with Super Deluxe, and then mm-hmm. like you start writing. Like, how do you get aligned with? Like, I always liked your jokes. I think we actually had a similar joke. Did, did Do you remember what it was? Because I remember we talked about it. I thought it was that um, that the first time I had sex without a condom on, it felt like I stuck my dick inside the mouth of God. Oh, yeah. And you don't think it's that. But that's what I think it is. You do? I, that's what I think of the joke. I think there's a similar... You wanna, a, oh, yeah. A you have a joke, joke like that. Something Maybe. About that. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember that we have like a similar way of thinking humorously yes. which is fine yeah i was well, it's, it's also like it's tripping me out now at my age where like you know i'm listening to you and stanhope and i'm like 21 and i'm just like these guys are nuts like they're all <laughs> fucked up this is crazy and now it's like all so relatable <laughs> it's like oh yeah i've done that that's happened to me like all of it and it's like ugh. welcome welcome <laughs> it's just a matter of time louis <laughs> you just had to grow up a little bit that's all just out of curiosity, when you work with a towel, does he ever tag for you? Does he ever go like, do you ever think maybe- uh, He's giving me like one tag or something yeah, yeah. like that. Do you ever get those calls from a towel? Like, do you do a thing about Jesus? Like, oh, gonna... all the time. So a tel- <laughs> he's like known for this because he's so careful about not taking anyone's joke. He'll just yeah. call you up like, do you have anything about a uh, Egyptian scissors or like whatever? It's like, no, I don't. I don't. I never, I don't even, I've never put those two words in order before in my life. What think, are you talking about? I think one time he called me up. To, do you do a thing about jerking off in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man he's crazy about that and it's, it's it's i also respect that about his work ethic he like is really anything that's even been slightly done before he doesn't want to do because it's only going to be like with him they're 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 mostly shorter form jokes so mm-hmm. like you know what's he, what's the real you know it's not like a 20 minute chunk well, what do you what do you say well, i mean like you know if he if he feels like if something's similar it's not like he's losing a quarter of his act you know, like yeah. A, right. Well, sure, but yeah, but you that's but because of those jokes, he takes so many of those jokes to make a full hour. No, I know they're I know. so fucking valuable because it's like right, it takes sure. forever to add them all right. up. Right. But know? I'm just saying, if you go, yeah, I do do a thing about jerking off yeah. the Bible. If he doesn't finish the joke that he's working on yeah. about jerking off the Bible, it's going yeah. to be it's one minute. minute gone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, so when did you start like doing writing for these? Like, I mean, what? I mean, outside of the. Well, you the were gold, the, you the gave me my diaper. first writing job, really. I mean, so so what happens is 
I moved from the Bay to LA. I'm doing this super deluxe thing. Yeah. I break up with that girl. I'm going nuts on the road and stuff like that. And I try and pitch things around LA and they're like, well, maybe if you were more famous, we would buy this from you. And I'm like, well, maybe if you bought this from me, I'd be more famous. Yeah. So I realized there's that classic paradox. I decided to go to New York and focus on stand up. Yeah. And I moved to New York. And this is when you're at New York and working at Air America. And right. you give and you oh, yeah. hook me up with basically my first formal writing job, which is writing like a, a few sketches for you. Yeah. Uh on the Air America show. Yeah, the yeah. last last days of it. With me and Cedar. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to help out. Yeah, no, you did. You totally <laughs> did. You 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 uh you tried to get me to sublet your place. You were very forthcoming about the bed bugs, which I appreciated. Um, <laughs> that I, heard, was... I heard some people didn't get that much honesty, so uh, thank you for telling me that you had them. Um, <laughs> get that much honesty from me? Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> What'd you hear? I just heard some people. You like you, me? You're like. There were bed bugs. We don't have them. I heard some people were just you were just like just move in. It's cool. Yeah. Like whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, after what at what point do they go away? I mean, God knows. I tried to get rid of them, and I did everything you do to no, get rid I'm of them. Sure, but you got it, rid of them. There, there was this is a panic time. The 2009 to 2012 with the in bed New York, bugs with the bed bugs. It's crazy. What was you? Do you who called it apartment AIDS? Isn't that your line? Huh? Apartment AIDS. I, I don't know if it is my line, but I yeah. like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was. It, people were so scared. It was driving people out of their fucking minds. And I knew there was a girl who worked at Air America that mm. didn't have them and thought she had them and lost her mind. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. I got, I've got i gotten them twice on the road, which is the best place to get them. You have? Twice on the road. What do you mean? How do you mean? You got bit? I wake up. I get bit by them. I can see the marks. Like, oh. I can tell that I have them. It's you know, there's, They like women more than men. Uh, I'm tasty. Yeah, okay. And uh, I get I get the three you know get the the three bites in a row. Yeah. And like I just be wake up just like covered in welts, and I'd be like, ugh. And it's like my hotel room. It was oh, twice. It was my hotel room. God. It's the place, best place for it to happen though, because you can like you tell the hotel you're like, man, you gave me these bed bugs. You could put all your stuff in their giant dryers. You can even put their your luggage in their giant dryers. You dry it enough there, it kills them all. They yeah. move you to another room. You're good instead of taking them back home. Right. But it was rude. I mean, they, man, they bit. They bit me those three in a row, like right across my bald spot, like just to rub it in. It was like, Ugh. it was horrible. Oh it was horrible. God. Both those times. So you didn't take my apartment. I didn't take your apartment. <laughs> you tried to sell me, several people have tried to sell me on Astoria, and I'm just not, I I, I preferred like Brooklyn. Leo, Leo Allen ended up living there for years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't even know if he still lives there. He might. I'm all I, all I know is that the, the, you know, like I just held on to that place, and uh, eventually the, the guy who owned the building sold the building, and they then the new guy came up to Leo and said, "Are you are you Mark?" And Leo goes, "No, he's not here right now." He's like, "All right, you're the guy now." And that was how I lost That's my lease. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're the guy now. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> I guess I could have fought it, but like, fuck it. Yeah, man. I mean, eventually you got to let go. You didn't I, like you didn't like Astoria. Well, I just I just felt everyone's like. It's 15 minutes and you're in New York. Yeah, you're on the Upper uh, East Side. That's not exactly where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to get to downtown. So why not no, live close to downtown? Upper, oh, I get it. But you're not in the Upper East Side. You're midtown, like you go over on the N and you end up where? You can just, it's the I'm N saying, and the R. I'm saying the first stop off the L is First Avenue and 14th, okay, where I, I want no, to I be. It. I versus it. I like. It. 50 whatever but you don't get all the great all the weird ethnic food and well that's excitement. I mean I think the food is, maybe because I don't sounds live like in you're Astoria. just surrounded by you know Hasidim <laughs> like in Astoria it's like a multicultural paradise of weird shopping hours <laughs> well I still have like it's very um, Puerto Rican and Dominican right where I live in in, oh, in Brooklyn right now yeah. and so it's like 
So I get all kinds of different people. I mean, also the thing is like when you're in New York and really working stand up, it's like really just a, like I don't hang out in my neighborhood. I'm out no, every day and night. So. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're just wandering around a little bit during the day, and then you're out till like two in the morning, and yeah, you know, got to figure out whether you're going to take a cab or take a train. Back. Exactly. So it's easier to be closer to there. Sure. Um, so when you go to New York, you say that that's when everything sort of shifted in terms of your perception of what you could do with comedy and you know the way people act and uh, I mean how long were you in the bay area doing it what made you move I moved from the bay cuz I felt like I was I was done with there and I always thought it was a small town you know I grew up in LA so I'm used to being in big cities sure. it felt small and there wasn't that enough outlets really yeah um, yeah, I mean, eventually you're just doing all the stage time you can, and it's, it's time like, to go. Yeah, there's the punchline and whoever's little room. How many times can you do roosters and yeah, uh, yeah? T- what's the other one? That weird one uh, was like sort of a sports bar. You know, it was big. Tommy T's. Yes, Tommy T's. Yeah, but yeah, there's not money there now. There's like actually a lot of local shows. Yeah, but this was a different time. There was like you know a certain amount of stage time. I'm yeah. doing as much as I can. It was time to go. I went to L.A. because that's where I was. I went home to L.A. and it was fine and it was good. But I decided I needed to get some heat. And I went to New York. So I went to New York. I got the heat. I got a half hour special. I did an album for Comedy Central Records, and then I stayed. And maybe that was a mistake. I, st- I just stayed there after I got the heat that I wanted. I don't know. You weren't at a punch. It's a good place to perform. Yeah, you know, when yeah. I was there, it was before alt rooms. Really, I mm-hmm. mean, Luna happened when I was there. But still, it's like I still think that you know figuring out how to perform at the cellar is like a, a huge. Um, victory. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. Totally. And it it really is a great room. And it's also something that I really- is it? It's a hard room, but once you master it, it's a great room. That's funny because you go up the store and I was just hanging out at the store the other night. I'm like, this is a tough room. Like people, after every comic, 20 people get up and leave and this is the stage time I'm fighting for. This is ridiculous. What times you get there? It's a four hour show and everyone's I, I, leaving I, I, between I make shows. sure they put me on you know, before 10. Okay. Like well, I'm like, you. I want third or fourth there up and go. then I'm out. There you go. Yeah. No, but it, it was a hard room to, it was a hard room to figure out though as well. Sure. Uh, it's, yeah, but you don't, it's, it's different now. It's like, it's this thing. It's like, it's a thing to do when you go to New York now. It's oh, not no, just like local yeah, yeah, yeah. roughnecks right, right. or whatever, like late at night. No, it drunks. was all, no, it wasn't always that. It was just that you, it was a no, it wasn't, that wasn't the reason. It was just sort of a, and I think a lot of New York, they, you can't, you can't be indulgent like you can't be in San Francisco. I mean, you can't noodle around up yeah. there. I mean, you've got to be yes. you know, efficient and your punchlines have got to yes. land. Yes. You, you can't like, I mean, I spent two years in San Francisco just kind of, you know, noodling really uh, well i mean i the way i work is improvised so like if i can just get up there and start running through shit until it sticks it's great you know whereas in new york you better have some place to land in san francisco they'll indulge you you don't have to have a landing pad really well, i guess that's i that's funny because what i was going to say with the definitely internalize the lesson of new york because what i really love about you and like you and like Patton and you like the like the vanguard of like original alt comedies like you have these cl- club chops that you bring an uh, alt of course to. well that's why we we started in clubs I yeah. mean I mean that's why I mean both him and I started in clubs there's a difference between people who started a few years later all of us that did alt comedy or whatever the fuck it was in New York were club comics yeah I mean I have the sensibility but I'm saying that like in you, you get to a certain place with you, who you are, you can take risks on stage. I just felt that when I got to when I left New York and went to San Francisco, that it was a little it was a, you could be a little um, more indulgent. You know, uh, I guess I'm saying I don't I really hate the indulgence. Like I used to think I just like 
tighter jokes. Sure. And now I really feel it's a level. These comics are like, I feel like there's entitlement. No, I'm no, you're supposed you to just learn, listen to you, right? And well, it's not funny. Why am I listening to you? Well, but but I, you know, I, I was trying. I was always pretty funny when I was indulgent. That's like, what yeah. I'm saying. Like you, you know, I know, funny. Yeah, you know how to put it in there. It's yeah, that, it's how you build it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't. Right. I think of you as the exact opposite. I think of 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 you as like somehow like you really disguise the jokes. Right. And they're coming, but they're coming at you pretty fucking frequently. Right. Yeah. And you're even using little turns of phrase to get through like exposition or narrative right. that are still funny within that part. Right. Know? Well, I guess, okay, the bigger point I guess I'm trying to make then is that it's it's hard to build long-form material yeah. in New York. Yes, yes, that's true. Whereas in, in, in San Francisco, it was fairly, you know, they would They'd support you. you. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Dude, I tried, I had to do... I did this story for This Is Not Happening, which ended up being like 16 or 17 minutes long. Yeah. And I was running it in New York, and it was like... <laughs> Killing me, dude. Yeah, because like you're 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 like four minutes in, and you're like, oh god. Yeah, and it's, and it's not working. I you got, can't get the laughs. Dude, I got booed off stage at the Fat Black Pussycat. Try, I'm opening my heart, and they're like, "Be funny," and I'm yeah, like, "This is worst. not. It's gonna be funny, that, but it's also that's like, exactly the difference." Yeah, yeah. That, you know that, like, in terms of vulnerability, you know, San Francisco, they'll carry you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. New York, they're like, "What are you gonna cry?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. It was really hard to work that out too. Just in general, because the other thing in New York is that there's all those storytelling shows, and you go to those. So when I do it, I do it's these different than stand up, man. Exactly. Yeah. So I I try and do it in stand up rooms. They're like, why are you making us sad? Yeah. And I'd go to the storytelling rooms. Like, why are you making us laugh? And they yeah. were both mad at me. Like, why is there a dick joke in the middle of You're your? You're being too funny. Yeah. 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 Like I there's jokes. Don't I'm sorry. hide the emotion in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I mean, you... like I also did it through a very like jokey but still storytelling way you what know? was it so about that I was a, remember that was about um this um so after i have like all these misadventures with women after the brazilian girl and for a while i was dating this i met a, a gutter punk in portland like and someone who lived in a, a, a squatter she was in and out of the squatting thing uh, and uh it was about a, a rash <laughs> like, do you, are you, are you, it sounds like you're thinking of a specific girl and you're wondering if it's the no, same one. I just one. remember seeing squatters <laughs> in New York and just, you know, they just all had you know, skin problems and a, a, a griminess. Yeah, I mean, I think in Portland it's a little more of a lifestyle. And okay. She was somewhat clean, but she was a mess and amazing and it was um, it was a real mess. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I did it about that. It was a... <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole story i mean her and, and all that stuff and how long were you with her um maybe a year or two it was a uh, pretty heartbreaking she had a really bad alcohol and drug problem uh-huh. and it was um and and i had a bad her problem and i couldn't yeah. walk away from her oh yeah no that's a that's a classic situation yeah it's called codependency yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah that's in the story yeah did <laughs> yeah. you go did you try to get help for that what do you mean, myself or for her? No, for you know, for knowing that you can't control somebody else and that you know you have to detach somehow because there's nothing you can do necessarily that's going to change them, and and eventually you just get exhausted. Yes, well, I mean, strangely enough, even though I look like the kind of person who's been going to therapy since I was twelve, I only started seeing a therapist about two years ago. Yeah, in New York, and it's fucking helped a lot. <laughs> really, it took you that long? I yeah, man, I wasn't going, and my last girlfriend. The one that just happened. Yes, the one that just How long broke you my with, heart. How long were you with? Four her? years with her. Uh. Yeah, that one was. That's yeah. <laughs> was she like? Was she all right? What do you mean? 
She wasn't a gutter punk. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. She. What do you mean? Was she all right? What do you? What well, that's do you what I mean. Uh, like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the same problems with her. But no. I had my own problems. I think with her, it was like um, uh, I was shooting myself in the foot because I really didn't. I was really scared of fucking it up. I thought she was so good. And yeah. It turns out, I guess she kind of wasn't. Also, over time, but she wasn't good. I mean, the way she's been since the breakup has been kind of like appalling and. And yeah. she also changed over the course of the four years, as we both did. When we met, we bo- I thought we both had so much in common. Yeah. And by the time we broke up, I thought less so. Yeah. And she's been shitty about the breakup, to be honest. Well, I mean, in uh, like, in what way? Just not talking to you? No, we're both not talking to each other. She's tweeting like oh. rude, like shitty stuff. Is she a comedian? Yes. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Public domain, man. Like you know, if you deal, you know, dating people with public profiles yeah as opposed to civilians yeah it's tricky i'm done yeah i'm done with comics i think i'm done with white women i think i'm cutting them both out <laughs> she was the first white woman oh maybe second but like uh i rarely have i dated them and i think i'm done Wait, it, well you mean you, you'll date any other anything ethnicity? else anything else <laughs> <laughs> that's i guess that's uh that's open that's broad spectrum yeah. no i'm probably just joking i'm just but, mad at uh, her no, I know. I like I, you know, I did. I married a comic, you, you know, and that ended horribly. But I also know that I was horrible. So you, you know, now I don't know, man. Well, the thing is, is like you'd think from the tweets that I broke up with her, but she kind of broke up with me. So it's like seems and then kind you, of unnecessary. And then, like you, what are you supposed to be dragged into the into the arena? I won't do that, man. I'm I'm not I'm not. I'm so not you doing just it. like I mean, just, I guess this is kind of doing it a little bit, but I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna. No, but you. So you just let it be. You're just sort of like. I stopped yeah. looking. I stopped looking at her feed. Like yeah, I, yeah. I was. I was not. I haven't talked to her since we broke up. We haven't communicated. I was looking at her feed for about a month, and then I was managed to just cut myself off. I have these shitty friends of mine who are like trying to make me feel better. Like, man, you should see what she wrote now. I'm like, I'm trying not to. Yeah, yeah. All right, but fucking tell me, and they no, would tell me, you know. And yeah. It's, it's it still sucks. You know, I just don't understand why. Oh well, fuck! Well, I'm sorry you're going through that, pal. Even bring bring me up, you know. It's like it's like just the disaster of this of the you know of at everybody. I don't quite understand it. The need there are some people, and I'm not talking about her. I mean, I'm talking about people. I just I don't know. I didn't date men, women that they need to to, to constantly put shit out there, like yeah. you know, three or four times a day. Yeah, and it's like it's no one's getting paid for it. And I understand branding, and I understand mm-hmm. you know staying you know relevant or whatever. But some of it just starts to look like you know like help. Hey, look at me. Yes, I, you know I'm I, I'm you know I need some validation. I need I I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know where it's just sort of like how many times are you gonna do this a day. Yeah, and these are people I respect and who I think are funny, and and it still looks desperate to me. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. It's... Where, where it's like I understand how this platform works. And I understand it's great to create content and that's sort of fun. But you know, the amount you're doing it, it's like it looks desperate to me. Yeah, it's there's a gross neediness to it, a thirst to it that's right. off-putting. Even if it's great, yeah. I'm sort of like good. All right, thank you for the free thing. Are you okay? What are you doing? Are you spending any time off of this platform? I don't know, yeah, man. man. Yeah. So, what was uh, what's your relationship with when did you write for Stanhope? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. I am um, Stanhope. I uh, well, it was cool because like the first people I opened for. First, very first person was that dude Tree. You know yeah, Tree, of course. Yeah, I opened for this dude Tree. Wonder what happened to Tree. I don't know. But... I think I'm an Eskimo brother of his. <laughs> Probably. I, yeah, yeah, up in San Francisco. <laughs> I just, I just remember this tall woman. Man, 
it didn't go as well as I wanted it to. It, I think it was like a, after a Sacramento punchline show, but she was like R. Crumb style, kind of like oh, big and beautiful. I love that yeah. shit, dude. And I we just that. ended Wait. up in the hotel room, and I think it went a little faster than, <laughs> than she was anticipating. And all I knew was that she had fucked tree. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny man oh man so you open for tree i open for tree but after that i was so dirty that i got to i was i started out dirty i'm probably less dirty now but that meant you know molly the the book at the punchline bless her would always Back when put she me, was like 14 yeah like, i mean she was yeah she yeah. was she was just took over the booking and she would put uh book me with um i get booked with stanhope and a tell, and they're like some of the oh, first people like, I work you, with. Because you're the local dirty guy. Yeah, so I he's the, they're the only person I can be booked with because yeah. of my act. Yeah. And so I like I started out, I had a five, a three-minute bit about fucking someone with my nose. You know, yeah. it's like, I can't open for everyone with that. Yeah. And so I got to meet him, and I knew him through all that stuff. And I just got to, I mean, one of the great things about also starting in a city that's not New York is that, or, or L.A., is that like I meet people like you or, or them or Santa yeah. or Hotel, and I open for them, and, or Fitzsimmons, who's also like one of my favorites. Um, and then I establish these relationships with them, and it carries yeah. on afterwards. You yeah. Know? I don't know if that would be true now. Like there were so many less comedians then that it was easier to like sure. make friends. Like now it's like there's like a million comics every time you go to and it's hard to remember everybody. I don't know who anybody is. I just know that my group now, like, you know, I, I guess it was bound to happen and, and I'm glad it did on some level because it means I'm still alive. But, you know, you're just, you're veterans and, mm -hmm. you know, everybody kind of drifts away and has a life. Like, you know, all the cats <laughs> I started with, you know, you're not, you know, in New York, we were just there. We were with each other all the time because it's what we did and there were three clubs and, you know, you just, you'd be eating together. You'd be with each other during the day. Yeah. And then as you, you have a life, you start to realize, like, we're my generation, is we're all in our 50s, mid to late 50s, for Man. fuck's sake. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm always happy to see a tell, you know, mm. and I'm always happy to see the people I started with. But, uh, you know, we don't talk. Everyone's got their own fucking life. Wow. It's weird. That is weird. Who are your friends? I mean, like, you know, I have friends. I have a few that, you know, I, but one of them lives in New York and. You, you know, like, um, and it's hard to, it's hard to make new friends and it's, and, yeah, and, but, but you know everybody, but now you're saying you're even of the generation now where there's like a thousand comics beneath you yes. where you're like, I don't fucking know what's going on yeah. anymore. There's just how so can many there, people. Yeah. How, how can the, all these people be doing original comedy? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. There's a lot of, and uh, I was talking to so, uh, someone about it, but it was like, you'd think eventually they'd quit. But they don't quit. They seem to be sticking no around. No one knows how to quit. You yeah, know, there's no way to quit. Well, it's weird. I thought there was a way. You know, I I did an interview with a guy who I thought got out gracefully, uh -huh. Billy Braver. But you know, he ended up back doing it. <laughs> but there are people I know of my generation and the one ahead of me that eventually just drifted off and found jobs. I think it's a pride thing that if you're in it, if you're a lifer, you can't picture what else, where else you would go. But yeah. I think there were people like from the '80s boom that were just sort of like, yeah, I, I you know, they end, a lot of them end ended up on radio mm -hmm. uh and some of them just went into jobs and they're like it just didn't work for me it didn't because they, they had to have you know like so many of them like from the 80s so many of the guys were who were just features and stuff mm -hmm. i mean would they all die no they they figured out a way to reintegrate into the world yeah yeah i mean i i, I keep thinking about how like I mean, like, part of me's bummed out that it didn't work out with this girl, and then I'm like now single again at forty. But part of me realizes, like, man, if I wasn't, if I had a kid at this age, it would be time to like start really reevaluating what the fuck I'm doing, and you know, oh, really the, kind of. I'll like, tell you, from my the best thing I I ever did was not have them. <laughs> really? For sure. Wow. 
I mean, I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly self-involved person, but like, I mean, I've been married twice and mm-hmm. I don't have kids. So, you know, I, there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, as I used to say on stage, I think my, the way my second wife put it was, uh, you think I'm bringing children into this? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I just knew that I, for years I knew like, if I do that, then whatever I'm working on, mm-hmm. wh- whatever I'm trying to get to will not happen. Yeah. And I didn't even know what that was, but I knew it was about me. <laughs> and y- you know what I mean? And yeah. like, you know, if it all became about how do we feed this thing? Yeah. That, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, how I would live. You know, I would literally feel like I was strangling myself from the inside just thinking about it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So now like, you know, like I, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I never seem to be alone very long, you know, and I'm seeing somebody new now, but, mm-hmm. but like my, my expectations are different. Like you know, there's a lot of, but there's a lot of things I don't have to do. I don't have to fucking get married again. I don't have to live <laughs> with somebody again. I don't have to see every, you know, I don't have to be up each someone's ass every fucking hour. You didn't like that stuff? <sighs> I mean, you're speaking to sound negative now, beat up someone's ass, but I don't know, man. I miss like, this is the closest I've come to like understanding when someone calls someone their partner, like dating this girl for four years. Like I had a part, like she was my partner. She was my partner in my That's life. That's nice. That's know? nice. I mean, maybe and I'm cynical. You're right. I don't know. I miss that shit. Yeah, may, I, I, well, yeah, I, I understand. I, I, yeah, I mean, the the last one I went off with, I, I, I had a lot of love for her, but I just felt that we were actually two, our lives were a little too separate and we were a little too different there in a go. way. And, you know, I'm dating somebody that's more uh, like me and more my age, but still I'm sort of like, because I have a codependent thing too. Like mm-hmm. I, if I'm with somebody, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm always going to be checking myself and I'm always going to be worried about what they're doing or thinking. Okay. And you know, to me, that's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, but you can't work on that. That's just, you're I just guess, like, at this point, what, you're just what, like, that's how it is. But what's the payoff? What do you What do you mean work on it? You, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, so you can stay with someone and have this partner that we both said was nice. It's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's like I have worked so fucking hard for so fucking long uh-huh. to land on my feet and have my shit. Uh-huh. I'm, and that now, like, I'm just trying. I'm just starting to figure out what I like to do. Wow. So, like, there's part of me that's sort of like, what do I got to share that for? I'm just figuring <laughs> this out. Can I try to enjoy it myself? I'm sorry it happened when I'm 55, but it just, that's the way it panned out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, yeah. And man. also, I'm terrified of, like, being hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the truth. <laughs> I don't ever want to, I don't, I don't ever, like, and I've really, I think that, you know, if we were to be honest, like, I, I don't, oof, you know, after that one, I think after that one that you saw that show about, like, after yeah. that first, like, major fucking heartbreak, mm-hmm. whatever it was, whether it was ego-based or whatever, that mm-hmm. whatever it was, it was so devastating, that I just, like, there's some part of me that's sort of like, I'm not going to make myself that vulnerable again. You harden your heart. I did. Yeah. Are and you doing that now? I'm trying not to, but it's hard. It's, I, I, I hope I'm not, but I feel like I am. Like, I don't really, like, I don't feel like it. Like, I'm, I'm working on this bit now how I hate, like, you know what I love being in a relationship? I love being yeah. antisocial. And now I have to like meet new people. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And I don't know, man. I'm 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 working on not doing it. This is all fresh. It's less than two months. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I I I, I don't. I just don't. I don't feel like the bullshit of meeting someone anymore. And I don't feel like talking to someone who I don't 
really connect with, I, and it, which I know you have to do to get you through to the person you really do connect with. So I don't know what it's going to mean. Well, I don't like it's weird because like if I've hardened my heart, I don't even think with the person who broke my heart or whatever that was. You know, I feel like I was obsessed with her and I loved her and like I like uh, I loved looking at her. I loved being, you know, but I don't know if I really you know, was fully open, like and fully comfortable in an intimate situation. I think that most of what happened is, you know, I just did not see it coming at all and it just completely shattered my whole life. Yeah. Well that was that's like with the Brazil girl with me. It was like this this wasn't as much of a blind side, this breakup, but yeah, man, it just like it really fucks you up. Especially when someone you trust and someone you like let in like that. It does make you want to shut everyone else out. But also you take them for granted and I was kind of yeah. a dick. Yeah, you know, I, I was certain yeah, and I was certainly a dick and I don't know, you know, if you know, I obviously wasn't that great a partner if this was happening and I don't know that I was capable of it for a lot of different reasons, but oh, I just don't I don't know, man. I I don't like I don't know what it sadly it gets to the point. It's like whether it's hurting my heart or like I don't know sometimes what the value of it is. Like to, you know, if I don't want kids and I don't need to be married again and I've sort of those ships have sailed, Uh what is it that I need from somebody else? You don't get what I was saying, that partner thing? Like, no, I get it. I get it. You don't miss that. And also, like, don't you feel like uh, maybe this is corny or whatever. And you talk about like the hurt and you don't want to get hurt again and all that stuff and how bad it fucked you up. Mostly you feel like a fucking asshole. You feel like a fool. Yes. When the cheated. Yes, exactly. When I was cheated on, I did feel like a fool and I felt like taken for a ride. But and that part felt bad. And also, and honestly, with this new girl, I feel a little bit like a fool. Like, yeah. With with the last girl, just because of the the way she's been tweeting since then, makes me like, wow. I I guess I didn't know her. I, right, maybe she right, wasn't as great right, as I thought that she kind was. Of shit. Maybe I was blind to everything. But at the same time, the hurt is only so big because it was so great to be with her when I was with yeah, her. You yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. so so I'm trying to. Yeah. I, the hurt is not good. I guess I don't know, man. You guys had a good time, huh? I liked her. <laughs> I guess she didn't like me. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that. I understand that. I guess, like, you know, the partnership thing, I, I guess I have to explore what the hell it all means. You know, I'm just I'm just a little old now, and, I, you know, I, I, it's not clear to me. I'm not sh- – I'm afraid – like, I get very – like, I just really want to keep my life to myself sometimes because, like, I, I feel like I've earned it, and, I, and I'm just learning how to live in it. Because, like, you, you know, when you do what we do for so mm-hmm. long – and you don't know what's going to happen, yeah. you know, or how it's going to fucking go. And then all of a sudden, like in my mid forties, it works out. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that was a long fucking haul, dude. That uh, was yeah, twenty five years. I'm very much aware of I that. Know. Yes, I can relate to this kind of. I don't know. I, somehow I feel like I'm seeing some parallels. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> it know hasn't. What. I haven't even got to that working know, out I know, part I know, yet. I know, I know. And I'm still saying I want it. I have hope. I know. I mean, hopefully it turns around for me too. Shit. Well, it's good. We 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 seem to be on the same trajectory. I think it's going to. All right. So I, I didn't got mean five to, years. I good. didn't mean to get selfish about it. <laughs> I mean, I always did fine. You know, we we got by. Yeah, I'm getting by. Yeah. But uh, well, I hope you feel better. So what's what have you been? What's going on right now? Didn't you just put out a record? Yeah, I had this. Uh, my last album was called Catskills, and it people really reacted to that. It was great. It, it was on. It made like the top five albums of the year from Vulture dot com. If oh, that's that means great. anything. Yeah, people really dug that. And I I just started a new podcast with Matt Fulcheron about like traveling and you know with who I, I, Matt Fulcheron? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we do. That's great because, as you can tell, like I love to travel. I've been yeah. all over the place. What's that called? It's called Roadheads. Oh, great! And so I'm doing that, and then I'm working on projects, and I'm working on this new hour, and I'm always trying to push and become better at stand up. And I, I feel myself getting better. And so as long as I feel like I'm getting better, 
I feel all right. So do you do you headline as well? Yeah, sure. Okay. You, I so headline. you just you you do a tell dates. I do a tell dates and then I headline myself. I'm doing both of them. I mean, I think it's like, man, you know, just being like a fucking forty year old feature act. Doesn't feel right, even if it's for a tell who's like the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. He should I should move over and let someone else get in there? But yeah. I just like it's hard for me to um to make this move over, and it's it sucks because I know people come up to me every town now and they know me from my albums. They yeah. know me from that, or they know me from this is not happening. They actually know me from things. Yeah, but I really haven't been able to um harness the power of the internet to really get people to come out and and see what I as a headliner. Yeah, as right, what, right, I, what right. I have to bring. You know? Yeah, like just to, we're at clubs. Yeah, I do clubs. I do I do all these I do all the indie touring down south. I do a lot of that and down south in the Midwest where I'll just like book a room for a night and come through town. You know, does that work out? Yeah, that actually does work out. You know, I I've I've done a run there several times. I don't know if I don't think I'm building up a following, but like I make a decent money and I get yeah. to go to all these towns and stuff like that and I I you know, I I find a way to make it work and I always find a way to make it work, but it's a struggle. I'm doing I also I'm I'm on rep, man. I'm doing all this on my own. So I'm doing a podcast, I'm writing stand up, I'm I'm writing working on a show idea, I'm booking my travel, I'm promoting my shows, I'm doing all that myself. So it's fucking a lot. It is a lot. It's and all that's like all none of that pays really. <laughs> all that's like volunteer. Now work. is being unwrapped your own choice or just the way it is? No. Nah. No, it's not. It's it's not my choice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, like, I think you need someone who wants to work with you. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't want someone. You well, don't do want to be wanna, chasing people. Well, what about like what? Did you, what were you doing on Dave's old porn? Oh, I helped. I wrote. I wrote yeah. a little bit on that pilot, and I've written on a couple shows. Were you there then. when I did it? No, I only worked on the pilot of that. So I worked on David Tell's show, Dave's old porn. I worked on the pilot of that. I worked on Totally Biased. I worked on Guy Branham's show. Uh, talk show, the game show. So that's that's really where I've been making Kamau's show. Money. Yeah, I work totally. Kamau show yeah. and Guy Branham show. Bay Area Comics who both hooked me up, and that's like that's what's really kept me going through all this other stuff. The stand up is like always kind of like kind of making money and kind of not. And I get other ro- writing gigs. I'm like I ghost write for people and stuff like that. And I yeah. get yeah I, I make I make money, but it's always from like who knows what source and when it's coming and how. You know, you should get a writer writing rep. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you sound like one of my relatives. Like, have you thought about getting on SNL? Maybe you should do that. <laughs> oh, I hadn't. I hadn't considered that, especially okay. considering that all right, all right. legally yeah. no one's allowed to have a writing rep right now. But sure, I should get one. All right. Well, let's we'll figure it out. I'll make some calls. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. Great talking to you, man. Yeah, good talk to you. All right, that was Louis Katz. Get his album, Katz Kills. Also, listen to his podcast, Roadheads. All right? Do it. You know where to get that stuff. The audience will end before the symphony. Do you know what I'm saying? How clear does it have to be, people? Boomer lives! Okay? Okay?